80,000, it's going to be 100,000. It's going to be a bunch of people, a lot. And it's not only going to be in Del Rio, Texas, they're going to hit two or three, maybe four different locations on our border at once. And if you saw the how overwhelmed we got with just one location with the Haitians in, in Del Rio, can you imagine three or four locations at the same time with, let's say, 50,000? Imagine that. Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z-Stack, a powerful immunity-building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Corsetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Victor Avala coming to the show. He is a special DHS agent who worked at the border and in Mexico. And his specialty was working with human trafficking. And he had an interesting encounter where he almost was killed. And he wrote a book about it called Agent Under Fire. But he has come out and he is a whistleblower, essentially, talking about what's going on at the border, what his experience has been. We talk about China and the influence and how they've taken over the cartels. And it's it's a really strategic Chinese invasion backed by the globalists, this elite satanic group. It's a cult with China involved as well. And, you know, the interesting thing is what's going on with China and this this elite, I hate the word elite, I just hate it, but the cult group that has, that has a lot of money. And th- that's an interesting thing to me as it's not just interesting, it's important to know really what that, that dynamic is. But China has strategically taken over the control of the cartels in Mexico, all the, the powerful structures everywhere, um, by doing the con- cartels in Mexico. In Canada, they've you know, taken over a lot of farmland. They've taken over um, uh, their military. There's a compact with or a deal with Trudeau that if anything happens or they need military, that the Chinese military fills in. Just incredible. To me, that's just your country's gone when that those kind of deals go in place. And then in the United States, as we know, they've taken over a lot of our, infiltrated a lot of our powerful institutions. Now that is coupled with the globalist multi-trillionaires who are 
in the satanic cult and how that group is working together. But we're seeing attacks on all fronts in the United States. But he's going to specifically talk about how at the border, there's there's going to be huge surges coming in. Now, we saw the Haiti surge, but that's nothing compared to what's ha- going to happen coming up. And they're not talking about just people coming in through one part of the border, but multiple fronts all at once with thousands of people and how that will overwhelm the system. So, you know, is that planned and how is it going to go down? And I'm pretty sure our government's not ready for it because Biden administration is complicit in terrorism against the people. And we talk about that as well, how they're aiding and abetting these terrorist organizations and these criminal networks on human trafficking and smuggling people and organs and all the bad stuff that's going on. So this is an explosive show. I think it's really important. You should uh, share it with everyone you can. It's important that people get the pieces in place and not be scared, but know that you have a role to play at the individual level and how you can stop it is we have to stop it locally. The people in Texas are, are taking things into their own hands along the border. We have to do that everywhere. We need to push back everywhere. And this is what we talk about. So before I get into this, uh, if you are ordering the Z-Stack, I want to just remind you to to buy more than just one month worth. There's some people that are buying one month at a time. And then because of the back orders, they're not getting things in time. Please buy more than a month at a time. If you can afford it, get six months at a time. If you can't or more, if you can't afford it, See if you can do two months at a time. One month is better than nothing, but two months um, or more, just make sure you have a buffer so that if there's a supply issue or a supply chain issue, you're protected. That's why I've been telling people to plan, and I'm telling you to make sure you plan all the way through this winter, and I got my parents a whole year supply of it. Just make sure you're planning because people are having issues with that. And then the other thing, again, a reminder to sign up for my newsletter because that's how you get all the reminders on the shows that are coming up. But I also write articles and I post articles, and those are really significant as well. Sometimes articles are easier for me to do and put out than a video or in a show, and so I do that. And it's very therapeutic for me to uh, write when I have a lot of ideas on my mind. And then the other thing is, is Victor Avala stays after and does an exclusive show for my members on a couple specific things that he, issues that he got involved with, with human trafficking and some examples. They're hard to listen to, but it's, it's good that we understand what the reality is and what human trafficking really is and and how they treat these people and who these victims are. So anyways, that's for my members, and you can get that at sarahwestall.tv or on Ebonier, and you can subscribe to either of them at sarahwestall.com under subscribe or on any page at the bottom. It's all organized there. So let's get into this very important interview with Victor Avala. Hi, Victor. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you have an incredible tale to tell. You were in a situation where you're a border agent and a special agent, and you had a situation, you have a book called out Agent Under Fire, and it's, it explains the ordeal and tells your story, but you were put into a situation where they thought you would be killed. It was like a, a death trap. 
and that was by your own senior leaders. What happened? So uh, uh, I was a, uh, assigned to the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City. Uh, uh, I'm a retired ICE Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent, and this happened uh, back in 2011. The assignment came on February 14th, and the, uh, the actual uh, ambush was on February 15, 2011. I was assigned uh, to go with um, um, the assigned Special Agent Jaime Zapata with me. Agent Zapata had just uh, arrived in Mexico City just a few days before, and I met him that day on February 14th, and they, my supervisors, against uh, uh, many uh, my challenges and, and other alerts from the embassy, like uh, the, the major one was we were prohibited from driving on that highway with the infamous Highway 57, we couldn't drive on that uh, highway based on uh, the U.S. ambassador's uh, alert, uh, either for personal reasons or business reasons. Uh, my supervisors at ICE ignored that and sent us on this mission to go pick up some equipment from our counterparts from the Monterey ICE office. And so after I challenged it unsuccessfully, um, and of course, I go through a lot of the details. I go through every single little detail in the book. But you challenged it because you thought it was dangerous. If the ambassador is telling you don't use this highway, you thought they were telling you, I mean, wh why would you think they were telling you that? It wasn't, it, it wasn't just the ambassador. We knew personally. I mean, we, we, in Mexico, that's what we did. We, we gathered intelligence and we knew, okay. we knew that Highway 57 was uh, just like the, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're the ones usually that would pass the intel over to the State Department under the ambassador. And so... We, this is not a secret, uh, um, and, I'll, and I quote my deputy attache, my boss, in the book, and I'll continue to uh, quote him as much as I can. He said that he was unaware of any security issues in Mexico. How in the world do you say that when the whole country of Mexico is a security issue? But that's the- Who was your boss? Uh, um, Anthony Salisbury was a deputy attache, which is the number two of the ICE office in, um, in Mexico. And that's what he said. He actually said that. And so when you deal with that level of incompetence uh, and your boss is telling you that, <laughs> how do you respond to that? And you still get ordered. By the way, we knew the intelligence. We knew that the Zetas cartel controlled that corridor. They had had firefights and shootings with the police, with the military. This was no secret. We knew this. And yet they still send us on this road. They did not, uh, my office did not notify the regional security office with the ambassador or with the state department to let them know that, by the way, Victor and uh, Jaime are going to be going on this highway. They didn't do any of that. There was no operational plan. There was all the things that we would usually do in Mexico to hit this road was not done. And there was no time to do it because the assignment came on the afternoon of the 14th. And they said, you hit the road the following morning. And they wanted that equipment by close of business day the following day, which was nearly impossible. It was going to be impossible because the turnaround time was almost the 11-hour drive or more. And we did take off the following day at 6.30 in the morning, uh, picked up the equipment, uh, a bunch of boxes, by the way, uh, and uh, surveillance equipment, tracking type of devices for another case. Um, and <clears throat> we're making our way back to... Mexico City on the way back. Uh, I had driven most of the way on the way back. We stopped and ate lunch. And after lunch, I gave the keys to Agent Zapata, asked him to help me drive. And within about 15 minutes of him driving, we were ambushed by two SUVs full 
of Zeta cartel members. Now, we didn't know there were Zetas at that time. Uh, we, they were just armed men with AK-47s and, and uh, automatic weapons and handguns. And they forced us off the road to the right shoulder. Eventually, uh, a lot of shots were fired. They were able to introduce uh, a, two guns by my head and, in this armored vehicle uh, that my window had rolled down a couple of inches. And uh, they shot into the cabin of this armored vehicle and uh, fatally shot Special Agent Jaime Zapata in the line of duty. I was shot three times, once in my chest and twice in my left leg and um, survived by the grace of God telling you the story. Uh, they shot over a hundred rounds at us and wow. um, uh, you know, destroyed the, the vehicle. And you know, we were airlifted to a nearby hospital in the state of San Luis Potosí, which is the closest place we were at. And, um, and then the aftermath begins, begins, which is sometimes people ask me, which was worse, the shooting or the aftermath? Well, let me ask you some questions, because I imagine now this whole cover-up starts. So why was your window rolled down a couple inches? So um, when um, Agent Zapata placed the vehicle in park, the vehicle unlocked. And um, the, the, the SUV was programmed to unlock. One of the shooters opened Jaime's door, the driver's side door, literally opened, swung the door open. Jaime grabbed the door immediately and, and shut it. Uh, and we hit the buttons to lock the doors, but the, the window buttons are right next to the, and so inadvertently my window was rolled down two inches. We didn't know, we didn't know okay. that that had happened. That's and fair. we were, we were in yeah. the, you know, I was the, I was the only one communicating yeah. with them. Uh, Agent Zapata didn't speak uh, Spanish very well. And so I was yelling and screaming at them that we were Americans, that we were U.S. Embassy employees, that we were U.S. diplomats, that this was a diplomatic vehicle. And by the way, uh, during the trial in 2017, they testified that, in fact, they did hear me and they did acknowledge that I, they heard me, that they knew we were Americans and they still decided to open fire. So this whole concept of them not knowing that we were Americans is a farce. They knew we were Americans. They had the opportunity to stop and leave because it's happened many times in, in Mexico where other US agents had been held at gunpoint by cartel members. And once they identified themselves, the cartel stepped back and let them go. There was this you know, underwritten rule of uh, unwritten rule since the murder of uh, DA agent uh, Enrique Camarena in 1985, that you just don't target, the cartel don't target American uh, agents uh, stationed in Mexico or abroad. Uh, but that rule went out the window on February 15, 2011. Why? Why did the rule change suddenly for you? Because uh, it wasn't just for me, it was the cartels. And this is the difference in how the cartels. Yeah, you were the, I was the unlucky one. And, and it was the, it is how the cartels have evolved and shifted. And they're very, very different than even the cartels from 20, 10 years ago, they have, even my, from my shooting that I think ha, has changed and, and was a, obviously a big shift, how much more violent they've become, how um, uh, more uh, brazen they've become and involved in a lot of many other things and more powerful, more sophisticated, more organized. And, um, and I think the United States has been lacking in identifying that in shifting with them. The, the cartels have have evolved quickly. And I, I, I talk about them when I do my public speaking events. Uh, I want people to think of them as Amazon. 
And people kind of seem puzzled when I say that, because what do you think of when you think of Amazon? You think of this big corporation, right? You think of a uh, hierarchy, you think of uh, bosses, you think of distribution organization. Well, that's exactly what the cartels are. Um, they're all over the world in 54 countries. And people think, well, they're just in Mexico and they do their thing in Mexico. And that's the, the, the worst thing you can think because they might be headquartered in Mexico, but they're all over the United States. And then, like I said, 54 countries around the world distributing their poison and their violence. And so that's how they've shifted. That's how powerful they become. They're highly sophisticated organizations of intelligence, money, power, you name it. And, um, and that's what been the biggest difference. And I know we're going to talk about a lot about the border today. And so what, what better for the cartels than to have an open border policy under this administration? You've only given them uh, a green light to continue to do the things that they do even better and even more so undetected. Yeah, undetected and bringing uh, the, the, this uh, poison into our country. Well, it's not just the poison, correct? It will poison from a, a whole, if you're saying poison in a general sense of all things bad, like, because they do, from what I understand, it's not just drugs. It's now it's human trafficking and it's organ trafficking. They use those same court cartel lines to do all that. And that's correct because, and that's another thing that they've evolved before they're the drug cartels. And I, never, and I don't refer to them as drug cartels anymore because you're, you're absolutely right. They're no longer just the drug cartels. They have seen what money the human beings leave behind in the human smuggling mm -hmm. adventures and the human trafficking, which I'm a subject matter expert in human trafficking. That's what I did uh, mostly my career is uh, uh, rescue women and children from these horrific uh, uh, human trafficking conditions. And so the, the cartels have taken over that as well so they control all of it now and and yes uh when i refer to the poison it's it's all of it but specifically also the fentanyl and methamphetamine that continue to kill our youth uh over ninety six thousand dead and nobody blinks an eye um i was over at a conference this weekend it was a great comparison by one of my colleagues uh referencing the uh the crack epidemic of the 80s remember that well, there was over ten thousand deaths of that 10,000 and it was remember the epidemic and everybody was talking about it I was all over the news well we have yep. 96,000 dead of fentanyl poisonings and no one blinks an eye Washington says nothing well Washington has become so corrupt that because I cover trafficking and all sorts of stuff too trafficking is a difficult thing I think to cover um it day in and day out and so the fact that you did that you're a hero I suppose once you start saving people it's hard to stop uh, my understanding is that the cartel that controls that border to the point that pretty much everybody has to work with them and women and children, about 80% of them are raped in, in the journey. That's right. And, um, and boy, those conditions at the border are, are really bad. And, um, you know, the caravans are coming, more people are coming and, uh, it just means more power, more money for the cartels, every single person coming through there will have to pay the plaza, which means the cartels, the, the permission to come through the northern border of Mexico. Now, the cartels are not just on the, on the border areas of Mexico. They're in, in, entrenched in the whole country. They control sure. that country right now. They're running a parallel government. And uh, there's just uh, the uh, um, unwillingness of both governments of Mexico and the U.S. to really 
concentrate on attacking these cartels and taking them out. Mexico will do nothing. Mexico is militarizing a lot of these zones and getting rid of the civilian police force, which we know that, that those are two different trained individuals. A soldier is very different than the police chief. And um, dealing yep. with civilian population and, and, and uh, laws and all this incarceration is very different than the soldier. Soldiers is trained very differently and uh, is not aware of a lot of the, uh, you know, the things that go through in everyday policing working, especially in the communities. Nevertheless, Mexico is kind of getting rid of that thinking that the military would do something, but the military is also so very corrupt that it's the country is in shambles and the, the violence is out of control. Right now, on the other side of Brownsville, Texas and Matamoros, they've had firefights almost on a daily basis. They just killed um, a major uh, a drug lord, you know, in the, of that region of the Gulf Cartel. And, and uh, it just continues to happen on a daily basis. I get these videos of the cartel doing horrific, horrific things on the Mexican side. And they're also present on the Texas side, patrolling that border, making sure that the product, and when I say product, they, I'm talking about humans and drugs altogether. Yeah, because they don't differentiate it, just money to them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I would say that, well, I'm not going to give my opinion yet. What do you think of this Biden administration? Are they, is it essentially a, a shadow government here too? I mean, because why would they allow 80% of the people and everybody be controlled by the cartel and then act like it's a humanitarian thing to keep it open? It makes absolutely no sense. No sense. Uh, at first I thought, you know, uh, politics, Democrats versus Republicans, and they want these people to come in and vote Democrat. And then very quickly, I changed my mind, or not changed my mind, and said, but you know what, it's not just about that. It could be that it's still some somewhat of that. But I think now it is, they're just fundamentally wanting to change the core of our culture of our United States of America. That I, I firmly believe, as I, as I say to you today, just in these last eight months that the Biden administration uh, has, uh, has been there and doing that because there's no other explanation. Uh, how is it that you allow people from all over the world, believe me, it's not Mexico and Central America uh, are the only ones that are coming in. You know about the Haitians, but we got Chinese, Brazilians, yeah. you name it, uh, Middle Easterners and special interest aliens that I'll talk about a little bit right now uh, coming in and, and you figure, why in the world are they, some of them are given permits. I've seen them, I've reviewed the documents. They're allowing them to come into this country without no vetting process, without very little checks. Some are checks, most are not. And these are the ones that are turning themselves in. Let's not forget about the ones that are being smuggled. And right now the smuggling is way out of control. Um, you talk about the stash houses in, in South Texas, Yeah, human stash houses. Uh, in Laredo, I was just in Laredo a couple of weeks ago and was briefed by the chief border patrol agent there. They have over 200 stash houses identified there. Uh, in the whole valley, about 384 stash, stash houses. This is insane. Uh, and of course, they put these people, um, you know, I don't blame a lot of the migrants, that, the ones that, uh, that want to come here because they're taking advantage. I probably do the same. But the problem that I want to focus on is the criminal element. Just yesterday uh, or this morning and every day I have just too many examples to show of how many people are being caught 
uh, at the border. And guess what? They're, most of them are prior deports. You know, we have done a lot of, a lot of grabbing and, 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 and arresting of, of illegal aliens in our country for sex offenses, drugs, crimes, violent crimes, murder, you name it. We, we convict them, they do their prison time, and then we deport them. We did the right thing. But they're all coming back now. And these are dangerous individuals that are coming back to the communities. And people think, well, uh, you know, uh, they're not going to affect us. Uh, they're not going to affect the migrant community. That's exactly the community they're going to affect. That, that's where they go back and live. They're not going to come back and maybe live next to me, but they're going to go back to the same apartment complex that they terrorized before they left, you know? And, uh, and not only U.S. citizens, but even their own community, other illegals that live amongst them, uh, amongst themselves. So it's, it's, it's a huge problem of crime. And let's not forget about the, the national security issue and public safety issue that this open border does is, and I'm talking about the terrorism angle here, of what's happened with Afghanistan has a huge impact because the Taliban has emboldened a lot of these lone wolves, a lot of these sleeper cells that are in Mexico, that are in the United States, anybody, anybody that say, oh, well, all of a sudden the Taliban won. They took over Afghanistan. Yeah. It's like they just gave up on protecting the United States and they just don't care. It, it is hard. just today or yesterday, um, they're implementing um, mandates from every country on the air, you know, that they can't bring in, people from other countries can't come by airplane yes. unless they're vaccinated. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I saw this. I saw this uh, while I was down at the border. It makes no sense. First, I want to mention the border agents. They're mandated. I think the date is November 22nd uh, or 24th, whatever it is, that they have to have that vaccine. And if uh, they don't have it, we're, we're going to have thousands of border agents leave the job. Like, that's the, that's the last thing we need right now as... And they don't care. They don't care. They're going to because they're already getting rid of all these healthcare workers. It's like they're in front of us. We're watching them dismantle this country. That's right. And it, and it all has to do with the border because it seems that they're using the border as the platform to allow this to happen. And it makes no sense. They're going to fire our border patrol agents for not wanting to take the vaccine. Yet you have tens of thousands of people coming in illegally without a vaccine and they're allowed to come in. That's why I think this is bizarre world. I keep on saying it. It's upside down and backwards in so many ways. They're allowed, these illegal aliens are allowed because I've seen them board U.S. commercial airplanes without identification, but you and I as U.S. Oh, citizens geez. can't. And this is, this makes no sense. So they've lost, our leaders have lost all credibility. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think anything they say is legitimate when they can turn around and do this and harm our country to this degree. But I even, I, I'm actually even more torn up by watching those children know that those children are being trafficked and raped along the way. And then you have people like Jen Psaki and Biden and all these people up there acting like it's a humanitarian thing. What is going on with these poor children that are being flown all around the country? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I just flew from McAllen, Texas to Dallas-Fort Worth and was on a plane with a lot of adult males with one young child, about a dozen of them. And they sat next to me. I interviewed them. I talked to them. They were very well versed. Remember, I'm an expert at this, and I interrogated them as much as I could. 
and could not get them to admit that that was not their child. I'm telling you right now, the one sitting next to me and a couple of, I knew, I, I just personally knew this was not their, their, their son or their daughter. The one next to me had a four-year-old daughter. He was feeding her a bottle with Coca-Cola in it. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at all the signs here. It's not who their gives kid. a four-year-old. Yeah. First of all, my children never had a bottle at the age of four anymore. And who gives them, pours them Coca-Cola in there? He, they did not know how to care for the child. He didn't have any answers when I asked him about where this child is going to go to school, what plans you have for your kids. As a parent, you all you want to do is talk about your kids and your children. You would be ecstatic that you're coming to the United States, that your children are going to get a U.S. Uh, education, all these things, right? None of that, because it's not their child. They, we don't know where these children are going to end up. And you can imagine how my blood is boiling on this airplane. By the way, they were going to, they're going to, this one was going to Gainesville, Florida. The other one's going to Seattle, Washington. They're going all over the U.S. And I'm, and I even connected them. I, I was, uh, they were, I was the only one that was a bilingual there. And I was so upset at the airline for being complacent. Uh, obviously TSA, TSA for allowing them to board the plane to begin with without an identification. Border patrol paperwork that's given to them is not an identification. Well, it sounds like our whole airline system is involved in this trafficking network. It sounds like our federal government is. It sounds like we are the only people that really seem to be standing up against this tyranny are the people and the, you know, the people who aren't involved in it. But it seems they've gotten such a hold of our country that our institutions and all those places, all the big institutions are controlled by this criminal network. Oh yeah. And the only way we're going to take this down is for the good people to stand up and take it down. I mean, I no. have you come to a different conclusion? I'm with you right now. And it's happening in Texas. Uh, Kenny County uh, Sheriff uh, down in next to Del Rio, Texas, next to Valverde County. And you know about the Hages in Del Rio. And they've had enough. They're deputizing people right now, private citizens. And, 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 and they've had enough. They're, they're, they know that the Biden administration is doing nothing. They know that uh, our governor, uh, Abbott, is doing nothing. A lot of show and tell there uh, uh, with uh, uh, Abbott, but no enforcement whatsoever. Now, he just... Why? Uh, oh, my goodness. This is, this, this is so... Uh, you know, he's, lo he's looking at re-election. I think he's timing things as to what he does and when he does it. But, you know, he's been the governor for years. He used to be the attorney general. He could he could stop this on any moment, but he will not do it right now. He has the National Guard deployed. And the difference between what he thinks deployed and what I think deployed is very different. He has them parked uh, along the river at 100, uh, a Humvee parked 150 feet apart at certain places. But there's nobody in the Humvee, by the way. It's just a, the vehicle by itself to deter the illegal aliens from coming in. My definition of deployment of the national guard is fully armed on the river De declining uh, entry sight. because once you You're doing stuff because once you allow the illegal alien to come in uh you have taken custody of them and they belong to us now and we must do so something. don't even let them in so don't we have to not let them in remember we have immigration law we have, we have, we don't have to, you know, sometimes I think it's funny that we're pretending like we're doing something illegal here. No, we're not. All we want to do is enforce our actual U.S. laws, state laws. We have a lot of laws that we could enforce, but, but the Biden administration, and in this case, even Texas, having a lot of authority 
the state of Texas is a sovereign state as well and has a lot of authority, a lot of constitutional rights that they could implement that have not been done. But, but then again, you know, federally, there, there is lawlessness down there. There's no child endangerment uh, laws being enforced. You know, you would do this something to a child like this anywhere in the U.S., you would get investigated by CPS, right, and the local police, but not if you're illegal. If you're illegal, you, you, you could come in with COVID, you could uh, not be vaccinated, you could get on an airplane without an ID, you, uh, and I could go on and on and on with all the laws that don't pertain to you. But you know what? What I learned is that the kids are here legally with their parents through a green, or not a green card, but a, a permit, and they came here, um, and they've been here most of their lives. Now those guys are being deported because they weren't included in any of the legislation that allowed them to stay here legally. You talk DACA? Not DACA. These are the kids that are, well, DACA maybe they're kind of being messed with, but it's the the kids that are here because their parents came on a work permit Mm -hmm. and worked for big companies or worked. And then once they age out, once those kids age out, their parents' permits and things don't count. Because I had people reach out to me and say, will you talk about this and bring it on? And then they didn't want to come on my show because I was too Republican-leaning, they claimed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They didn't want to look like they were, I mean, I, it's incredible that these people are, you know, once they learn what really is going on in the world, then they go, okay, I'll come on your show. But they, when, when people are still naive, they are afraid to be associated with certain things until they realize it's true. Right. But, and so we have the situation where, and that's what happens to a lot of politicians. That's why the mainstream media still gets everybody to go on their shows and not as much, although it's changing, the independent media is becoming the source for information, obviously, because the mainstream media is lying, but um, that's why nobody would go on our shows until now it's all changing because of that mentality. You know what I'm saying? because they've controlled the media so much that they don't, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you got to start supporting the independent sources of information and you got to start going on those shows and you got to get rid of your, your lack of courage and help support them. Go on those shows, support them because the mass media is not helping us clean up our country. Well, you're, you're, you're describing me and, and it, to me, it's, to me, it's very simple. Not only because I know the subject matter, but because I tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. I go around and I speak around the country. I do as many interviews as I can because I spread the truth. And not just from uh, the sources that I have. I personally go down to the border. I've been going down to the border since March. Not only am I born, born and raised on the border, and I worked most of my career on the border. And I could say uh, most people don't even do that and are experts on the, t- on the news talking about, you know, how they're experts. Yes. Um, but I continue to go down there because I understand that you have to be able to um, keep up with what's happening. And so I've been going down since March. I just came back and spent a whole week from Laredo, McAllen, Zapata, Harlingen, speaking to the border agents. I spoke to, uh, I got briefed by the, the, the uh, chief sec, the sector chief, I, I was allowed to uh, address the agents during their muster because the morale is so low. Are they going to keep their people? I mean, I can't, I, I would think they there are a lot of them are going to quit. Of them. Even if it wasn't for the mandates, they probably want to quit. <laughs> I, I mean, what is going on? Now, some people say, investigative journalists say, and there's a lot of evidence to show that China has infiltrated the cartels yes. 
Okay. Can you talk about that? Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. China is a major, major player. China has been present in Mexico for many, many years in the drug trade. Um, uh, right now, they're the number one provider of the precursors and chemicals to the over 100 uh, super meth labs that exist in Mexico. There, if it weren't for China, you could almost say that, these, that most of these labs would not exist. Where does the meth go? It goes into the United States. Dallas, uh, I spoke to the Dallas Police Department. Their number one issue, meth. I was in Colorado a week and a half ago. Their number one issue, meth. Uh, and fentanyl too, but meth is, let's not forget meth and heroin is making a huge comeback. Uh, there's all these hard drugs. Are we a bunch of sitting idiots while there's a concerted effort to destroy the United States while we're just happy on drugs and human trafficking and taking advantage of all these vices and doing nothing? I mean, now we are. I'm telling you, we better we better wake up. We better wake up. And that's my message is to wake up and and become active in your community. People ask me, what, well, what do I do? And, and it's not very hard. You know, it's just simple. You know what I, I tell them? Give me the name of your representative that represents you in your city. And they have no idea who it is because you've never been to a city council meeting. You've never been to a county commissioner's meeting. You've never been to a school board meeting. These are the people that are making the decisions that affect your neighborhood, your school, your child, your everyday living. And guess what? It works away. It's the other way uh, in politics. It's the other way around. It works from the bottom one up because you must be uh, uh, in, in touch with what they're deciding because it's going to go to the state level and it's going to go to the federal level. Uh, look at what happened with the mandates and the COVID and the whole thing. All of a sudden, people that didn't know, like, who the heck is a county judge? <laughs> county judge is telling me that they closed all the businesses, that I can't go to a church, that I can't go into and buy a, a, a this and buy that. And uh, that's right. They have a lot of power. You put them in there. And if you didn't vote, shame on you for not voting. This is the power that you have. Get involved in your community. It's very simple. Once a month, all you have to do is kind of be involved and know and be aware. Just that alone would make you very much a, a different member of society in, in knowing, I know we're all busy. I know we all, all have lives. We all have problems. We all have money issues. We all have, we all have that. But that's never going to go away. Politics is going to be there affecting every uh, part of our lives. And so it is important to get involved. I know everybody's very concentrated on the federal level and the Biden administration. And that's okay to also be involved in that and be aware. But, but you must start at the local level because that's where you can have the major impact. Yeah, I agree with you. So, okay. So why, what do you think is really going on here? I mean, we've talked about China being involved, trying to take this country down. Do you think that we are at war and that this is just a new type of warfare. We're definitely at war. Definitely at war. It's just that the war is muddy. It's the, the uh, you know, the number one, uh, I'm not a military person, just law enforcement agent, but you have to know who your target is, right? You have to know who your, who your enemy is. And who is, is that? And right now, well, we have many. We have many. We have China. We have, we have terrorism, we have the Taliban, we have Al-Qaeda, we have ISIS, we have Mexico, the cartels, we have, you know, uh, we have all politicians, we have the own deep state, we have the politicians, the corruption. 
and so uh, we're fighting a major war here that in, in, in encompasses all of these individuals. And, and what is their goal? They all have slightly different goal or different goals, but is it, are they pretty aligned against the United States to destroy us? Number one thing is they, they don't like us. I'll tell you a simple, I mean, my experience is Mexico and I work there. They don't like us. They don't, Mexico doesn't like us. They're, they might be our ally and they're our neighbors and might be our friends, but they do not like the people and, or just uh, the Mexican government. No, no, it's, 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 and I'm telling you as a, as a Hispanic first generation Mexican-American, and um, it's a very awkward, uh, very sensitive, it's weird. It's, it's, um, they, they don't want to, they're, they're, they're very pride. They're very proud, you know, proud of their sovereignty of their nation. And they don't like to be told what to do. Yet they acknowledge at the same time, how their country is in shambles with the with the cartel, the the corruption, and all the other issues. Um, yet that country is rich in resources. I mean, Mexico doesn't need anyone from anywhere from the world. They could they're self sustained, but because of their conditions, are not unable to do so. But as soon as we go in there and try to offer something, don't you tell me what to do? That type of attitude, you know. And well, but we've kind of earned that. Good people have gone and helped, but we've kind of earned that because bad guys have come and helped too in disguise of helpers. Right. Right. And so, um, and so, yes, so all that, it gets, it gets very complicated. And, but when it comes down to it, we need to, I, I, I've been pushing this for the last several months. We need to engage Mexico. We, they're our neighbors they are right here next to us. They're not 6,000 miles away. The cartels are right here. And, uh, well, you would think the, the, and my husband's from Mexico, right? So I have a, uh, my kids are like you, first generation Mexican. My well, my husband might be more like you. I don't know. He was born in Mexico and moved over here, but um, but I would think that the people there they know that these people are being trafficked and raped and kidnapped and you know and and human trafficking and organs. Anybody who's this is humanity against darkness, because. I mean, I, I would think that we'd have a huge coalition, at least on those issues. I don't think this is a partisan issue. I don't think this is a country issue. I think this is a humanity issue. Same with the force uh, mandates of vaccines. This is a humanity and freedom issue. This isn't a, I mean, it, uh, why can't we all align? That's why I always say when- I, I agree with you. I agree with you when it comes to the partisan issue. It is not. Uh, how can you be against- uh... Uh, not wanting to combat human trafficking, right? And this has nothing to do with the left or the right. This is, like you said, this is a human involvement here, a human beings, humanitarian. Um, and and so I want to clarify something with the Mexico issue. It's it's um, it, obviously it's not the people. The people have been terrorized uh, absolutely by the, way, by the cartels. I, I know. Yeah. The, the, that's why I, I I'm all for designating some of these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations because that's what they are. And we need to do that at this point to be able to combat them effectively. They need, they need to be designated just like yes. ISIS, just like the Taliban, so we could uh, go after them differently and with different resources. Um, and, but Mexico fights that. A criminal network is a lower priority than an, a terrorist group. It, that's why we need to redefine them. And, well, And China being, that's why it got so sophisticated, correct? It, when they shot at you 10 years ago, because China came in with all their money and sophistication and changed the whole dynamics.
They have, and they're, they're very responsible for that. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. Who's, who's with the Taliban? China. Who's the only one that has their embassy up and running in Afghanistan? China. Everybody else left. But was that a gift? Was our, was our leaving all those weapons oh and names goodness. and everything you, else? I mean, a I, gift? I mean, this is, I mean, who what, does what, that? Was that a who gift? That? Was it a, that's the question. It's so incompetent that you don't think it's possible. So was it a gift to China to give them all of our weapons? and names and uh, and and of course not, uh, china through the control through the through the taliban and other organizations and by the way the taliban is a terrorist organization all of a sudden they, the government our government wants to see them as a legitimate uh government uh, that they're talking to them i was at a conference where uh, uh at a at a uh, an event yesterday where um they rescued the the women from the soccer team from afghanistan you know, a lot of people were taken and rescued, and this organization rescued the women uh, from the, so the soccer team out of Afghanistan because they were going to kill them. They're going to rape them, possibly do whatever they want to do with them, and they rescued them. Because they dared to play soccer. But guess what? That This is what got me yesterday, and, and it, was a, uh, it was incredible how I, uh, when I heard it, is that this organization from the United States still has a moral they would not deal with the Taliban. They did not want to negotiate with the Taliban. They did not want to deal with the Taliban because they're a terrorist organization. But who did who did and who does and continues to? Our own government. Biden. Well, because our government, okay. Right? I mean, it's, it, it's weird. If they're in bed and they're, yeah, if they're in bed and they are supporting this trafficking, the, the incredible abuse of people and allowing 100,000 people to die from these drugs and everything else, they are part of this syndicate and they are becoming a terrorist organization themselves. I mean, by an offshoot. I mean, we are in that kind of situation. I, I, I agree. They're aiding, they're aiding and abetting, that's for sure. This is the Biden administration is definitely aiding and abetting this whole thing of, of the trafficking and everything else that's happening uh, with the border uh, because they can in one moment stop it. And, 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 and believe me, there's been a lot of pushback. Look at the, uh, the rulings that's, that come back down, like the remaining Mexico policy, the Title 42. We have yep. tools in our toolbox right now that we could stop it, but yet the Biden administration is fighting the protection of the United States citizen. Okay, it well, makes, let me ask, it makes no sense. Jen Psaki just yesterday said, instead of just complaining and making these speeches and going on, you know, saying all these things, all these politicians, why don't you come together and work with us and come up with solutions? We know what's broken. And I mean, I, I kind of laughed at that, but would, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at it too, because I have the solutions. I wrote them in my book. Uh, I have solutions uh, of ones that I would implement on day one if I was in charge of a lot of things. Um, a lot of them are right in front of our noses. They refuse to implement these solutions, remain in Mexico, Title 42, asylum. The asylum criteria to come into the United States has not changed. The criteria is the they same. They know the problem. They, have, they know. They, have, they do not want to enforce it. We have laws they do not want to enforce. Enforce the law. It's very simple. We don't have to invent anything new. We don't have to pass new legislation. All we have to do is have the courage to do it, but they refuse to do it. They, they talk about, and it's funny how you say that uh, with Saki, you know, uh, you know how, they, how they can say that when they have the solutions in front of them, 
and they refuse to do it. They refuse to do it. The solutions are here. They could implement them within an hour. And look at look at what happened with the remember uh, just a couple of weeks ago with the horses and the border yes, patrol. The, the whip. Well, that's a the whip. Well, that's a great example of after in the, uh, the unfortunately it was after the fifteen thousand Haitians were come had come into Del Rio, Texas. Guess what? They got the order from Biden through the Secretary of Homeland Security, and they got the order to Border Patrol and said stop them. And Border Patrol was they hadn't heard that in months. And they went down there and they got their horses and they stopped the people from coming over. They could do it immediately. And then, of course, they vilified the Border Patrol for doing their job after they were ordered to do it. <laughs> well, they caught an image. They probably took enough pictures to catch it to make it look like a whip or something. And it, it was just so asinine um, hearing them yeah. do what they did. Um, now, what do you think about the Republicans versus the Democrats? Because oh. in my research of human trafficking, and drugs i don't think there's much of a difference there well i have a big struggle with uh um the republican party right now because uh it seems like uh one thing you have to fight the left that's what's one thing but then within the republican party you have to fight that establishment as well and uh I'm, it's I'm one little... thing about marxism right it's right. another th so we're fighting that the chinese marxist influence socialist communism great reset they're using right. that to take it us over and oh my gosh and then we have this whole criminal element that's infiltrated into the republicans and i think they might support that agenda too through the great reset and the big money powers as well and after it's said and done you wouldn't know the difference of who's who that's exactly and, right uh, and and that's the uh huh. That's, that's the sad part because it's harder and harder to identify, you know, they use the term rhinos and all these other terms. Uh, I, I get involved in, 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 in politics here in the state of Texas and it is, uh, it, you know, you start hearing and, and seeing a lot of things and, and the candidates and, and, and good people that want to come up and, and, and represent the people and do good that are there for the good reasons. They never stand a chance because the Republicans, the conservatives, the establishment, push them out to get their own candidate in there. And so, so that's why I say you're fighting sometimes more against your own party than you are against the left. Um, and, but we need to defeat those individuals and get them out of office, you know, primary them and do everything that we have to do because uh, that's what we're trying to do here in Texas uh, with Governor Abbott. It's anyone but Abbott. I'm a big supporter of Don Huffines for governor because I, I think he shares what I share as being unafraid. I'm unafraid. We need somebody that's unafraid yes. to go in there and do the job for the people. What a concept, right? That the representative has to represent the people of the state, the people of their city, the people of their county, uh, and what's the best interest of their public safety. The number one um, uh, you know, uh, concern of any elected official is the safety of their uh, citizens. That's why most budgets, the number one, uh, the most of the money in their budgets go to police and fire. That's where it goes. Why? Because nobody wants to live in, uh, in unsafe uh, uh, neighborhoods. And we have plenty well, of Well, unless you know, you're in my area, these, uh, Minneapolis, where they want to defund the police. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Yes. Uh, I, I interview a lot of these people coming from Central America, and they say, uh, I ask them, why are you leaving? Why, why do you leave Central America? Well, there's a lot of violence, and there's a lot of crime. And I, ans I, asked, I answer them telling them, you know what? We have a lot of violence and a lot of crime in our in our country as well. Go to Minneapolis, go to Chicago, go to St. Louis, 
go to Austin, Texas and look at the look at the 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 murder rate and how much I has know. risen in the last year. Uh, look at all these cities that you would thought, what the heck is going on? We have a crime problem in our own country. And you're telling me that you're trying to avoid that by coming here. The problem here also I want to add is a lot of these individuals have that, that are coming to this country have shifted in their ideology as far as why they're coming. I used to see it in my career where, you know, it's the indigent economic migrant wants to come, feed their family, make some money, send it back home, whatever. Now I see a sense of entitlement. You will let me in and I'm coming because you're going to give me free oh, stuff. Geez. You're going to give me free health care. You're going to give my kids education. You're going to give me money. They, that's what the Biden administration has sent out as a message to the rest of the world. That's why they're coming. Why do you think they're coming? Because of that magnet, because of that message. If you, under the prior administration, under Trump, that wasn't the message, right? And so they stopped coming. Well, don't you- Plus- Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, plus uh, Trump got in with Mexico and had a little powwow with them and said, listen, you will yes. help us out. You will do what you have to do or else- We'll have to do what we have to do as far as implementing tariffs on you. And there's, uh, you know, designating the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. There's a lot of things we could do. And all of a sudden, Mexico starts, starts cooperating when it hits their pocketbook, right? That's what we need to go back to doing to protect our sovereignty because we're losing it. Well, I was mad at Trump for giving up on the fight when he had enough. I think he had information um, to keep because he was so much better than Biden. I mean, it's not even close. I was mad at him for not fighting like he should when he had the information. I know what information he had. And I think they didn't fight the way they should at the right times. And so, you know, and, and so I, I said that if he doesn't fight and he doesn't do this stuff, that's like committing treason. And I still believe that, but only because I was mad at him for not doing what he should do at that time and him leaving and not fighting for is a, it was awful. Now we have somebody who really is committing treason and yeah. who really should be taken out, should be impeached immediately. And I mean, because they're, they're destroying our country. I mean, if, if, if they could try to impeach Donald Trump for a phone call that was made up and all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This is beyond anything. I, don't you think? This is way, I mean, look at the, in such a short amount of time, they're trying to get a win in that administration. They can't get one. All they have is a bunch of losses. And let me tell you, these losses are devastating losses to our country because it equals the destruction of our country. Uh, inflation. Look at everything that's happened. It's not obviously the border is huge because trade and look at the the ships that are uh, <laughs> waiting to come in. We can't we can't get our goods. These people are either like you said they're they're, they're deliberately doing it, and on top of that, I think there's a lot of incompetence. Wow. Um, uh, when I look when I you know there's there's incompetence and yet and when you mix incompetence and and, and I know this personally because I almost died because of it. When you have incompetence at that level versus at the same time wanting to do something with it is a very dangerous combination. And I'll tell you, when that, assi that assignment from my supervisors to go on that highway, they, uh, there was incompetence there. And they also, uh, they were clouded by what they wanted to do with this case that, the, that, that they wanted this equipment for. And so they ignored everything else. I kind of compare that a little bit with the Biden administration. They're so clouded with their agenda and their ideology 
that they have lost touch with reality of what we actually need to do. So you think that's what it is? I think it's a combination of both of those. The simplest track is usually the the right answer, right? Which is incompetence. So you being a tech div, you always look at that first. It could just be the person's an idiot, but they're also useful idiots for people with bigger agendas. That's the problem. So I, that's why I think it, I, that's why I think there, there, the, the, there's a lot of uh, mix in there. There's a lot of incompetence mixed with evilness in there. And, and it's a dangerous combination because you're absolutely right. It's they're, they're taking advantage of a lot of the things. One of the things I saw, for example, in these uh, uh, immigration camps that have been closed under Biden, that a lot of people don't know on the U S side, it's because when they brought these, a lot of these migrants and unaccompanied children, uh, family units, they, they put them all in uh, the same uh, facilities. They put a 17-year-old male with an 11-year-old mm-hmm. girl. Guess she what happened? Raped. They raped the 11-year-old girl. Of course she did. But that is something that, come on, even me and my experience, and I used, I used to work with the federal courts and Bureau of Prisons, the, the number one, in a lot of jails, the number one thing you do when someone comes into a, a custody type of situation is designation, right? You have to put, the, you can't put the bloods with the crips. You can't put the, you know, this, uh, the, we had a lot of fights, gang fights, cartel fights, because we put them all together. Oh, well, they're all minors. Uh, yeah, 17 year olds are killers also, and rapists and 16 year olds do that as well. And, uh, but they, this is the they part don't that get I, it. it's incompetence. They don't know, get it. They don't know how to run the system on top of all that. And then like, look at the Haitians. They don't learn too quickly. They either. don't learn. They don't, they don't know how to do it. They won't get the people that know how to do it, to get it, do it. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're money hungry because they get these huge contracts to run these facilities. People that, who gets the contracts? People that have no idea how to run a facility that never done it before it happens to be a friend of the administration. And all of a sudden they got these millions of dollars to run a, a custodial facility. They have no idea how to do it. And all these tragedies happen under our own watch. It, it's incompetence coupled with control structure for other agendas, because you don't yes. have decisions like Newsom's making with our, with our um, supply chain, you know, just all the supply chain issues. And then the mandates where they're getting rid of all the people and just, you don't make the, even incompetence. It just doesn't seem like even incompetence would make these decisions. I mean, it's beyond incompetence. No, it it, it is beyond that. I think it's... They're too good at at taking down the United States. Well, and and, and you're right. Because an incompetence would be more spread out. It's the control. It's the control. It's the, uh, these mandates. It's the ignorant, the ignoring of our constitution, which is uh, the biggest impact that, uh, you know, uh, all you have to do is I have it here behind me. There it is right there. You see it right there. That's the constitution of the United States and the bill of rights. It, it, it's this yep, thick. Yep. You could read it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is review it, review it and get it too good at dismantling the United States to be purely incompetence. So, you know, that there's incompetence coupled with this, this reset and the takedown of the United States. And that if we don't step in and figure out how to stop this from happening, we we will be taken over. You would think that there would be someone in there that would have somewhere in the administration would have a, a sense of morality, a sense of uh, courage to say, listen, what do you get? Someone that would have the, you know, the courage to step up and tell them, 
you're not, what you're doing is evil. What you're doing is bad. What you're doing is we need to do this or, or well, the colonel did. Well, Remember the lieutenant yeah. colonel, and the, and then he ended up going spending a month and that's right. Solitary. That's, that's what happens. That's right. right. Up. Yeah, and then it happens. Uh, uh, it's happened to the look at the border agents that did their job. They they took them off the job and put them on administrative leave, and then many many other cases of, like that that people want to step up and and be vocal. Which is some what I saw down at the border. It, that's why a lot of these agents are afraid. They're like, I don't want to lose my pension. I don't want to lose my paycheck. I'm the I'm the sole provider of my family. And I'm not going to be the one to be the in, to lose out, and so uh, they have this control over them. Well, and I'm telling you, it's it, there's it, it's what I want to see is a disruption of what's happening yes, right now. We have to. We have to disrupt it. it I don't know how it is. If it's going to be with the National Guard, if it's going to be with the civilians, if it's going to be with people, if it's going to be the state, it's going to be somehow. We have this is not sustainable even for the next few months. Because these caravans that are coming, the one that came on Saturday was kind of what's come. Tell us about the Saturday one, and then tell us what's coming next. Because I'm hearing hundreds of thousands of people, but keep going. So yeah, so the so there's a lot of them in Tapachula, uh, Mexico, uh, highly organized by these people that are they're they're actually trying to get per, uh, legal permission from the government of Mexico to be released, um, and they have this um, uh, this legal it's a it's a little slip that they give them and they could freely go through Mexico. And that's what they're trying to get. They, what you saw in the videos of the people on Saturday, um, they kind of got desperate and said, we're not going to wait for these permits anymore. And they bum, bum rushed them and, and, and that's what happened, but it kind of got dismantled. Uh, and so they said, okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to wait a couple of more weeks and it's not going to be 1500 people. You're right. It's going to be, we don't know the numbers and, and I've heard the numbers. Is it going to be 80,000? Is it going to be 100,000? It's going to be a bunch of people, a lot. And it's not only going to be in Del Rio, Texas. They're going to hit two or three, maybe four different locations on our border at once. And if you saw the how overwhelmed we got with just one location with the Haitians in, in Del Rio, can you imagine three or four locations at the same time with, let's say, 50,000? Imagine that. And and it's it it it, it overwhelm will, us beyond overwhelm beyond. So what do you think? The 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 they're gonna they're gonna have to then deploy. Now you see th this is the part that I disagree with the reactiveness of it. We need to be proactive. We can't we don't have the we don't have the luxury of being reactive anymore because the last thing I want to see is bloodshed on that border. And let me tell you right now, I hate to say this part because I'm not a. I'm not a fear monger and, and, and it's a, a, lot of a lot of stuff that I talk about is doom and gloom. But let me tell you, I'm a realist and I'm a logical person. The cartel doesn't hesitate. I'll tell you first. I know that <laughs> yeah. I lived it. They're not going to they're not going to hesitate. And when they get pushed back at the river and the people are not going to come over and we push them back, they're going to respond. Um, and, and, and it's one of those things that it's going to be a clash and something's going to have to give. But we have to be proactive to avoid that. And I don't see our elected officials doing it. And it's a shame. Yeah. Okay. So where can people get a copy of your book, which has solutions in it and everybody should be reading it. Um, yes. Where can they get that? They could go to agentunderfirebook.com, agentunderfirebook.com. I have the links for uh, Liberty Hill Publishing, Barnes and Noble. If you still want to go through Amazon, you could go through there. Uh, and, um, and purchase a copy of the book. You will go through some emotions with the book. You'll read 
about in detail about that and the solutions. I didn't give a lot of them here because I want you to get the copy, but I'll tell you one that I would, that I would do. I would send a surge. Uh, I, I, I talk about a surge there to the border and I'm not talking about just border agents. I'm talking about everyone down to the border. I'm talking about um, different uh, law enforcement agencies uh, within our federal government and surge them for a minimum of 18 months to uh, two years on the border. We need to seal it. And if, it, if we can't seal it with the wall, we're going to seal it with human beings because that's the only way that we could then start assessing you know, once you seal that, then you could take care of the people that are criminally present in the U.S. and, of course, then deal with the Mexico. But we can't do any of that until we seal the poorness, just like you would do the you have a, a, a leak at your house and a, a main break water pipe. The first thing you will do is shut that main break. You right? fix the source. You can't fix. It. You got to fix the source. So we got to seal the border. That's one of the solutions that I would do immediately. And there's many others there that has to do with sanctuary cities, asylum, uh, you name it. I put it on there. Well, we have such a mess now to clean up and all these criminal networks. Well, thank you so much. And you have an amazing day. You deserve it. You are, you you so are a true American hero. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.